In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fifth Sunday uh, of the Pentecost, and we read again about the Lord speaking about himself and revealing that he is the way, the truth, and the life to anyone who knows him, also knows the Father. And while the Lord was speaking, uh, Philip, uh, one of the apostles, he responds um, in verse 8. He says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And then the Lord responded to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? It's like what the Lord was saying to Philip is, this is something that should be self-evident, something that if you have spent three years with me, as Philip had, that you spent this entire time without realizing this, without understanding that, um, that the Father is in me and I am in the Father, and that no one can come to the Father except through me, and that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. All of these things, that he is the Son of God and that he is a member of the Trinity, that Philip and, and, and many of the other apostles also did not understand, even though they were with the Lord for three years and they, they learned at his feet, they heard his teaching, they saw his miracles, they, they, they lived with him. And yet, even after this period of three years, they didn't really understand. And we can also ask ourselves the same question, and that many, many of us, that we spend our entire life in the church and we spend our entire life with God and prayer and fasting and readings and all these things. And yet maybe in the end, the Lord will come and he will say something like this to us. Have you been with me for so long and yet you still don't understand? Maybe even though we are in the church and we are doing all these things, we have to make sure that we understand what it is that we're doing and why we are doing it, and not to be maybe here like Philip, where we spend our time with the Lord without even understanding who he is. So I want to speak briefly about some misconceptions about Christianity, misconception that maybe that we as the believers have, and misconceptions that maybe those who are on the outside that look at Christianity from the outside that maybe that they have. So we're going to speak briefly about five uh, misconceptions um, uh, regarding the Christian faith. The first one is that the first misconception is that Christianity is about being good all the time. Some people see Christianity as being primarily about morality, about, about we should live a certain way, we should be good. And if we are good, then we will go to heaven. And if we are bad, then we will go to hell. Some people see Christianity as being a club for the good people. All the good people get together and they feel like they are you know, rejoicing in their righteousness and that we get together and we say, you know what, we are saved and we were going to heaven because of our goodness and that we are so good. Certainly in Christianity, we are striving for goodness. We are striving for holiness. We are trying to follow the commandment of God. But actually, truly, the mark of a Christian is someone who, who understands thoroughly and deeply the, 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 the idea that they are not good, the idea that they are falling short of what they should be. And that is why we are in need of salvation. Salvation is necessary for us. It is to be saved. It is to, it is, the whole concept of salvation is someone who is unable to save themselves, someone who is unable to live independently on their own. Think of someone who is like drowning in the water. They are unable to, to, to get out of the water. They are unable to save themselves. And so they need someone else to come and to offer them what they cannot give to themselves. In Romans 3 verse 12, St. Paul says, they have all turned aside, they have together become unprofitable, there is none who does good, no, not one. So for us as Christians to understand this concept, that the reason that we are here, the reason that we are always speaking about salvation, we are speaking about the blood of Christ, we're, we're doing all these things, is because we see ourselves as this, the ones who do not do good. 
We strive for goodness, and yet we fall short of goodness every day. But then St. Paul also goes on in Romans chapter 5, and he says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, this is Adam, the one man who, who, who was the first man who sinned and through which all of us died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the man, of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Just as Adam was the one who led us to sin, so also the man, Jesus Christ, is the one who leads us out of sin. So this first misconception that Christianity is just a place where we're all good all the time, this is, this is very, very damaging. It's damaging for us as believers because sometimes we feel like we are beyond redemption when we fall, thinking that we are somehow um, cursed or we are different from everyone else because we have fallen into sin. This is not true. Or some people are afraid to confess because they're worried that their sin is so bad that the Lord would not forgive them or they were ashamed of what it is that they did and they're afraid to speak about it as though the sin they committed was unique somehow, different from anyone else's sin, different than any sin that ever had been committed before. And also from the outside, when people see Christians who fall, when people see Christians who fail, certainly there, are, there is hypocrisy in Christianity, just as in anywhere. There might be people who are hypocrites. There might be people who are acting a certain way but uh, on the outside, but really li living a different kind of life. And I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about someone who is sincere in everything that they believe and everything they do, and yet out of weakness, they fall short of, of reaching that standard, reaching that target that they have set for themselves. So Christianity is not about being good all the time. Christianity is about accepting that we are not good and then seeking salvation and seeking forgiveness from the Lord. The second misconception about Christianity is that Christianity is about knowing a lot of things, a lot of facts, a lot of information. Um, we look at those people maybe who are the most learned people, the most educated people in theology, and we, we look up to them, and, and you know we, we, we want maybe the knowledge that they have or we want to learn, and that's good that we want to learn. But the Lord actually rebuked the Jews who were seeking after knowledge, but were not willing to put into practice the knowledge that they have uh, gained. In John chapter 5, as the Lord is rebuking these, these Jewish people, he says to them, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Meaning these Jewish people who had all of the, the scriptures um, in front of them, that they studied it and they learned it, all the Old Testament, and all these prophecies that pointed at the coming of the Messiah, and yet when it came time, when the Messiah was actually present in front of them, they were not willing to accept him. They were not willing to come to him. It was all knowledge. It was all just book knowledge. It was all something they could preach about in the synagogue. It's something that they spoke about. It's traditions that they followed. But they did not manifest into a real life with the Lord. It did not manifest into a submission to God. It did not manifest in faith. And that is something that is also a misconception about Christianity. Christianity is not about reading a lot of books. It's not even just about reading the Bible. The Christianity is about living. It's a living faith. We, we, we learn about God through reading. We learn about God through sermons. We learn about God through the, the Bible. We learn about God and all these things. And then that learning should translate into a life and a relationship with him. Should translate into love. Should translate into submission. Should translate into obedience. Should translate into hope. All the, 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 the reality, the practical nature of the Christian faith is what we should be living. Everything else that we do is for the purpose of gaining that, for the purpose of having truly that life with the Lord. It is not just about knowledge. It's not just about understanding, which is why it is not those who are the most educated are the most holy. 
right? Again, if you look in the scripture, the Pharisees were the most educated, and yet they were the ones who were condemned by the Lord because it is through their great education that they were condemned. Because he said to them, you have eyes to see, that you, because you see and you, you, you know all these things, and yet you reject me, then this is why you will be judged harshly, right? And yet he went to those who were the sinners, the harlots, the tax collectors, the thieves, and all these people, and they were the ones, even though they had no such knowledge, and the apostles themselves, who had no such knowledge, and yet they were willing to accept him. They turned, they repented, and they lived with him. So as Christians, we are called to live with the Lord, not just to know the Lord, not just to read about him, but to live with him. The third misconception about Christianity is that Christianity is about being happy all the time. As though that someone who is a Christian should expect a life without pain, without fear, without anger, that everything is going to go your way if you're a Christian. You want to be a Christian? You're going to live a happy life. You're going to live a life that is not filled with any kind of sadness at all. Because after all, we believe that the Lord has you know, has, has conquered the world. We believe that the Lord has given us every good thing. We believe that the Lord is preparing heaven for us, so we will never experience sadness. Maybe this is a misconception. If you read again what St. Paul says in Romans 8, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So his emphasis is on two things. One is there is suffering now. This is th there is suffering here. This isn't a place where every desire of our heart is going to be manifested, or everything that we hope for is going to be realized. The realization of every desire of our heart, of every good thing that the Lord has promised, is what? It, with the glory which shall be revealed. The glory which shall be revealed. The glory of the Lord in heaven is the true manifestation and revelation of every good thing that the Lord has promised. What he gives us now is like appetizers. You know, what he gives us now is small little moments of grace and, and, and small things to kind of remind us continually that he is with us, that he is present, that he has not abandoned us, that the promises of the Lord are real and that we can wait in earnest expectation of them, having hope and waiting for that day where grief, sorrow, and groaning have fled away. Those are the, those are the things that we hope for, that even while we live in this corrupt world that is full of darkness, that is full of sin, that is full of confusion, that is full of personal pain and pain of the world as a whole and as a society. And even though we struggle with sin and we struggle in the flesh and we struggle even internally in ourselves with who we are and trying to live a life that is pleasing to God and with our emotions and struggling in our faith and struggling to believe and all these struggles that we experience in the world, this is, this is the Christian faith, right? It is, not, it is not that a person who is of a Christian faith is never going to experience any struggles. Actually, on the contrary, the Lord actually promised that for those who, who are godly, who will follow him, maybe will experience even more struggle. Maybe will experience even more persecution. Maybe will experience even more hatred against them for what it is that they believe. And certainly we see that played out in the life of the apostles and all the saints, the martyrs in the church. We see it through the most faithful people who lived are the ones who also experienced the most pain and the most suffering. When you read about St. Paul's suffering that he experienced while he is um, traveling the world, spreading the, the, the word of God to everyone, and yet he experienced so much suffering. Did God come to him and say, because you are such a holy and righteous man, because you have given up your life in order to preach the gospel, that I will exempt you from suffering, that will I exempt you from any kind of pain and suffering in the world? He did not do this, right? And actually he sent upon St. Paul 
even more suffering to, to humble him, to make him feel always in the need of God in all things. So this misconception about Christianity is being happy all the time. We are called to have joy, and this joy is because of our knowledge, this joy is because of our trust in God, that whatever we experience in the moment will not last forever. That whatever the suffering we experience here in the world will have an end. And that not only that, but God uses such suffering for our benefit. He uses it to build us, to grow us, to teach us, to prepare an even better place of salvation for us in heaven than otherwise. So we should not be um, trying to flee the suffering. We should not try to escape the suffering. But actually we accept it from the hand of God, by the will of God, for whatever purpose he chooses to use it for in our lives. But it doesn't mean that it feels good. It doesn't mean that God has exempted us from pain. It just means that this is the, the refiner's fire. This is the fire that the Lord refines us in to make us to be pure, to be of pure gold and pure silver, so that when we stand before him in judgment, that the Lord prepares for us the very best place, and that this is what we hope for. The fourth misconception um, about Christianity is that Christianity is just about social welfare. Just about social welfare. Certainly a big part of Christianity which, which a big emphasis of Christianity obviously is showing love, is showing the love of God and sharing the love of God that we receive from God with the world. And because of that love that we serve people, right? So when in, in Deuteronomy, when Moses was speaking um, about the, 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 the responsibility of the people of Israel to those who are poor and those who are downtrodden. He said, if there, is any among, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from the poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. So certainly there is a social welfare component of Christianity and showing love to our neighbor in Christianity. But some have taken Christianity as being only social welfare, as the only thing that we think about is how do we do good to other people in the world. There is, this is actually not even the core of what the Christian faith is. The Christian faith is about having a relationship with God. And when I am in union with the Lord and I am I, I, sharing the love that he has for me with the world, then I will want to, sh to serve the world. I will want to help the poor. I will want to give to others. This is why in Christianity, the, the, the core thing that we do is spiritual. The core thing that we do is approaching God. The core thing that we do is confessing our sins. The core thing that we do is prayer. The core thing that we do is fasting. The core thing that we do is to draw closer to God and all the means and all the tools that we have to do this, right? And the outcome of that the result of that is social welfare. And social welfare according to the will of God. Social welfare according to the plan of God. According to the, our understanding of God. According to our understanding of right and wrong. I put this picture here. This is from a couple years ago. This is a Christian seminary. Not Orthodox. Right? This is a Christian seminary where they're praying here in this church. Right? And what they're doing is they're confessing their sins to the plants. Right? Because they're confessing their sins that they have hurt the environment. And so they are confessing to the plants their sins. And I remember when I read this article about this, and I thought to myself, how far has the Christian church strayed from the true faith? From the true core of what Christianity is? 
Does God want us to be good stewards of the earth? Of course he does. He gave it to us. He wants us to be good stewards of everything that he has given us. But is this the faith? Is this what we should be doing in the church? Is this our understanding of what Christianity is? This is not Christianity, right? This is activism. This is a focus of social welfare without Christianity. Christianity is relationship with God. Christianity is spiritual. Christianity is looking beyond what our five senses perceive in the world and looking to the God who is behind it all and approaching him and drawing closer to him and submitting to him and showing love and living life according to his principles, which will then entail a lot of other things that we do in the world. But the, the core essence of what is Christianity, it is a relationship with God. The church is a spiritual place. The church is a place of approaching God in the spirit and receiving the spiritual food. Social welfare is a part of that, but it is not the whole thing. The last misconception that I want to speak about is that Christianity rejects science or that Christianity is somehow antithetical to science. Christianity and science are like opposite things and that you can only have one. You know, either you have faith or you have science, but you can't have both. This is a misconception, okay? Um, science actually glorifies God. If you read in Psalm 111, verse 2, it says, The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. Right? The idea that we study the works of God, we understand the works of God, we, God reveals to us the, 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 the beauty of his works. Actually, when you study science and you see the beauty of mathematics in the world, right, it actually is a testament to the glory of God who created everything. That it is not random, that it is governed by very specific laws and rules that he allowed us even to discover. And in the book of Sirach, verse, uh, chapter 38, it speaks about physicians. And it speaks about how God uses medicine and the physician for his own glory. He says, The Most High has created medicines from the earth, and a prudent man will not abhor them. The benefits of these things is recognized by men, and the Most High has given this knowledge to men, so that he may be honored in his wonders. God is the one who gives us knowledge. God is the one who allows us to practice science, to allow us to understand science. God is the one who gives us the mind to discover medicine, the mind to be able to practice medicine, the mind to, to practice any kind of science or in, do any kind of research or have any kind of understanding about the world. This is not separate from God. This is from God. God wants us to understand this because he wants us to make use of the gifts that he has given us to enjoy in the world. But just because we believe that science is good, and just because we believe that science is a useful tool, doesn't mean that we believe that science is the only way of perceiving the truth. Science is good in its realm. It's good in its area, which is to study the physical material world. It is very good. But it doesn't mean that you can take science and then apply it to God and say, I'm going to study God using science. And it also doesn't mean that because science cannot detect God, because the rules of science are, are only focused on the material world, that somehow God doesn't exist. That scientists will say, you know what, there is no God. Why? Because our science tools can't detect him. Well, who said your science tools are the only tools? Who said that these are the only ways of detecting anything that is true in the universe? So certainly, as believers, um, we can look at science, we can look at uh, the reality of the world around us, and we can see the beauty of God in it, and we do not reject it. We can be rational beings, we can be scientific, have scientific minds, we can practice and understand science while still having faith in God, and there is no contradiction. There is nothing there to say that you cannot have both. 
Again, science cannot detect God because science is not built to. It is not equipped to. It cannot. When we come to the church and when we pray to God and when the Holy Spirit works in our spirits, it is through our spirit that we experience God. It is not through the tools of science. So those who try to detect God apart from the Holy Spirit working in them will fail, and they will find nothing, and then they will conclude that there is no God. So in conclusion, we spoke about five misconceptions about the Christian faith. The first one is that Christianity is about being good all the time. We said that, um, no, we as Christians are sinners, and we seek salvation and mercy from God. The second misconception is that Christianity is about knowing a lot of things. We said, no, you have to live out what it is that you learn. You have to live at out the knowledge of God. The third is that Christianity is about being happy all the time. And we said, no, the world is filled with a lot of suffering that God can actually use for our good. Our eternal joy is for, our, our joy is for eternity. Our joy is for what comes after. The fourth misconception is Christianity about social welfare. It's just about social welfare. We said, no, Christianity is about relationship with God. And from that relationship can come social welfare and can come all kinds of other ways that we love our neighbor. The fifth is misconception is that Christianity rejects science. And we said, no, Christianity does not reject science. But science is not the only way to uh, discover the truth in the world. And glory be to God forever. Amen.